Imagine if that was a whole whole hymn. <laughs> We've got a I've got a hymnal in my office that it's got a couple of hymns in it that's got 26 or more verses to them. And uh, that's that's a long time. That's a lot of singing. And uh, But that was just one. And that was enough. It was a good one. And we'll get there. But uh, what did we do, three times? We might need another three times to, <laughs> to, get, to get where we need to be on that one. But practice makes perfect, right? That's what we need. We need to know it. And, uh, you can tell when you go to a church and, and people have been there long enough that they know the hymns they're singing. And it makes a difference. You can tell with the the confidence and the and the voices and everything, and uh, and so then it's it's real obvious when when you don't and so, but uh, you got to start somewhere and uh, I like learning new hymns especially good ones like that. All right, First Corinthians chapter number three, First Corinthians chapter number three. I gave you a heads up this morning <clears throat> that we would be looking at, <clears throat> sorry, our body, the temple tonight because that's where we are in our passage first corinthians chapter number three <clears throat> now we'll say more about it when we get to the the verses but um, in first corinthians we're dealing with the apostle paul's response of course inspired by the holy spirit um, but his response to some people complaining and letting them know that this church has got some problems and and if you study it out, what we're going to find when we get um, part of the way to, through chapter 6 is everything from verse 1 of chapter 1 through about halfway of chapter 6 is, is Paul addressing things that they didn't even write to him about. Um, when you get about halfway through chapter 6, he says, oh, and, all, and by the way, the things you wrote to me about, and then he starts talking about those. Um, all of this is just prelude. It's stuff that he has heard stuff that he knows is the is the problem that nobody wants to admit is the problem. And um, and so in that you get a, a lot of things that some would call difficult, but uh, if you just believe that God's word is to be true and obeyed no matter what, then it's not difficult uh, to agree with, but it might be difficult to actually apply and, and to take heed to in our lives. And so tonight, as we look at this passage, um, this may not, a lot of these things may not apply directly to you today. Uh, but they certainly, certainly apply to a lot of people, and a lot of people who claim the name of Christ um, have, it seems, never been taught this. And so, uh, whether you take this for yourself tonight or whether you take it for others, I just hope that you'll you'll listen to the Word of God and hear what it has to say this evening. Lord, we thank you for your Word. Help us now as we seek to learn from it. And Lord is the only only source of knowledge that we need. But Lord, help us to understand what we see and apply it in our lives. In Jesus, name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, and we're going to start in verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now we've talked a little bit about this passage already, and I'm just going to give you a little note to keep in your mind, in the back of your mind. When it comes to this passage, it's very clear this is not a passage that tells us that we are saved by our works or that we can lose our salvation. It's a passage that tells us that we are rewarded based upon our works and we can lose our reward. Uh, we see there 
right in the verses, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Uh, our salvation doesn't go away even if we end up with no reward in heaven. We're still in heaven. Um, this is not a work salvation passage. Some people falsely try to misinterpret it to be such, um, but you can't get that from just reading it in its context and reading what it says. You only get that when that's your goal is to go into it and find that in it, uh, and it's not not proper biblical interpretation. So the Bible here is talking about the judgment of our works, not the judgment of our soul. So keep that in mind. And then the main thing tonight is uh, in verses 16 and 17, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, today we are going to be considering from the Scripture the relationship between us as saved people, hopefully, Lord willing, talking to a bunch of saved people tonight, and the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God. Um, this passage speaks on three things that we want to consider tonight. Defiling, destruction, and the dweller. Defiling, destruction, and the dweller. For those of you who take notes, I'll try to make it easy and simple to remember for you. So defiling, destruction, and the dweller. First is defiling. Defiling the temple. What does it mean to defile something? means to pollute, to corrupt, or to make unclean. Now, hold your place here and just turn turn like a page maybe over in your Bible to a cross-reference to this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. This might be a more familiar passage, sounds very similar to you. The Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now that, that's, that's a direct cross-reference, and it's in the same exact message from the Apostle Paul, of course, through the Holy Spirit, um, to the church at Corinth. We are the temple of God, and we are to treat ourselves as such. Uh, in John chapter 2, verses 19 to 21, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. And so from, from looking at 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 3 and John chapter number 2, it's very clear to see that this passage, when it refers to us as, as our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, uh, being God's temple and being holy, this is not <clears throat> sorry. This is not restricted to purely spiritual application. It's talking about it specifies our body. Now I don't know about you, but my body is flesh. My body is not spiritual. I have a spirit within my body, and I have a soul within my body. But my body is my body. My body feels pain. My body gets fat. My body gets skinny. My body gets old. My body breaks bones, heals them again. That's what we're talking about is our body. And so God makes that distinction. And, and people don't like this topic because they like to hold on to the lie that God only cares about the inside. And, and whenever we talk about that, a lot of times it's, it's relegated to simply talking about clothing or something like that. Well, God only looks on the heart. He doesn't care what, I, what, what the outside's like. But it's not just a clothing thing. In fact, it's so much more than that. 
we we have overlooked for the most part from my experience as as independent fundamental baptists we have overlooked the teaching that our bodies are to be cared for as the temple of god because you know we want to focus on the spiritual and that's right but here god's commanding us to do something and so if we ignore that we're sinning and so we want to make sure we don't ignore that we want to see what it is that we need to do to make sure we are not defiling <clears throat> our bodies. Now, how can a man defile his body? Well, um, physically abusing his body for the lust of the flesh is one. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Um, we... We could we could go all night with all of these sins, looking at the details of how they physically harm people. Um, but but we're all adults here. We know that fornication leads to illness and leads to a greater chance of disease and a greater chance of an earlier death because of the spread of disease through fornication and the acts of fornication. The Bible says, "Flee that flee that thing because it's sin. It's not just sin without; it's sin against yourself." Um, alcohol. It's a fun one. Turn with me to Proverbs 23. I'll show you a good passage here. Um, Proverbs 21, or yeah, 20 and verse 1 is, is a good one as well. But Proverbs 23 gives us a really good, accurate description. Proverbs 23, verse number 29. <clears throat> Bible says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, and they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, thou shalt say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Now, if that is not an accurate description of a drunkard, I don't know what is. And, and the Bible says it bites you, and it stings you, and it beats you. It's, it's, it's damaging to your body. Now, it used to be that people believed that Alcohol directly killed brain cells, and, and <clears throat> they have so supposedly proven that to not be true. Uh, but a Swedish study recently found that a lower IQ score coincided exactly with a higher alcohol consumption. <laughs> so the more you drink, the dumber you get. Pretty, pretty foolish to start in the first place, but the further you go, the, the, Bible, the, uh, the, the scientists tell us, the further you go, the, the more foolish you become. Um, beyond alcohol and, and fornication, other ways to defile our bodies are drugs. Now, I'm not just talking about heroin and crack cocaine and all that stuff. There's a lot of different uh, narcotics and drugs and things like that that we can put in our bodies that have disaster effects on our minds and on our bodies. I'm not wandering into the, the minefield of do or don't do what your doctor says. I'm just telling you, use your brain. When, when there's a drug and there's an ad for it on TV and the side effect is exactly what the drug's supposed to cure, anybody, the, the best ones to laugh at are the anti-depression medications. Anybody ever notice that? 
What's the number one thing that they warn you about? Might cause suicide. Oh, so you mean it might work or it might make it worse. And you just don't know. And, and it's just, you know, it's 10 seconds of this. And while all the happy background is playing, it's may cause this and 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 death. It's horrible. Now, I'm not saying do or don't take those pills. I'm just saying there's a lot of things that we put in our bodies that are not good. And when it comes to drugs, and especially um, the drugs that people think of when you say drugs, uh, there's, there's so much disaster that can happen. Two milligrams of fentanyl, or about the size of the tip of your ballpoint pen, is enough to kill a man. That, that's pretty bad. And it's not like drug dealers are the most careful people when it comes to planning and preparing and making sure everything's just right and there's been so many overdoses. There have been so many deaths in America in the last few years because of people trying to fulfill the lust of their flesh through drugs. We've lost millions and millions of people over the last few years alone. Um, that's one way we can defile ourselves. How about, how about pornography? Matthew 5.28, we talked about it in Sunday school, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And that ties right back into fornication and that sin against your own body. Many studies have proven that there's effects that pornography has on brain chemistry and it aren't good. You got tobacco. Say, well, show me a verse about tobacco. I don't have to. Cancer. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's another lust of the flesh thing. Um, you got alcohol, pornography. Many of these have passages of scripture that specifically warn against them, but drugs, tobacco, things like that. There are passages where there may not be thou shalt not get high on weed or thou shalt not smoke crack and thou shalt not, you know, chew dip. You don't find those verses like that in the Bible, but you certainly find the premise to be undeniably clear. First Thessalonians 5, 6 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. It's hard to watch and be sober when you think there's unicorns flying in circles around your head because you're so high on drugs. Hard to watch and be sober when you're when you're in that state, in that condition. Second um, Corinthians ten five tells us to bring every thought into subjection to Christ. When you can't even control your thoughts, that's kind of hard to do. Galatians five sixteen says, "This I say then: Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." That alone is the only verse you need when somebody says, "Well, I don't see what's wrong with tobacco." It's the lust of the flesh. It's your body saying, "I want that." And if I don't get it, I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to be ornery. I'm going to, you know, do whatever I need to do to get that. And it controls you. Say, well, it doesn't control me. Okay, quit. Show us that it doesn't control you. Same thing with alcohol, any addictive thing. It's a lust of the flesh matter. And you don't have to have a verse for every single thing that you can do wrong in this world. The premise is taught that we ought not fulfill the lust of our flesh. And that comes in many ways. How about an example that is more likely to hit home for us American Baptist Christians? Turn with me to Proverbs 23. You're in Proverbs 24, so it shouldn't take you very long. Verse number 2. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Now there's other verses we could go to about this, but gluttony is one that we are so often guilty of. I, I'll tell you what, I am in the worst shape of my life physically today and I'm not happy about it and and Michelle and I have talked about it and I'm gonna have to do something because 
it ain't going the right direction. You probably noticed I haven't buttoned this the last few weeks. That's because I can't without worrying it's going to shoot off and hurt somebody. Uh, part of that is my my friend on my hip, but I don't want to lose that either. So we're in a conundrum, and uh, and I just need to, I need to drop a few. So I am preaching this to you, knowing full well that I am not the bastion of physical perfection here. <laughs> it's not. Uh, we're I'm just as guilty as anybody else of this, but. Um, they recently came out with a study, one in five deaths globally are linked to unhealthy diet. And that's not, you know, starvation deaths, that's, you know, what you're putting in your body. One in five globally, and I guarantee you it's a lot higher percentage in America because we have access to so much junk. Um, in America, if you were to compile all the deaths from diet-related heart issues, diabetes, and different things like that that directly relate to your diet, it's, almost, it's about 50%. 50% or more of the deaths in America are because people don't know how to eat right. And, and you, it might have been a heart thing, might have been a cancer thing, but it stemmed from they ate what they shouldn't have ate and they kept eating what they shouldn't have ate and, you know, it just, it just put them in the grave early. You add in tobacco-related deaths and alcohol-related deaths and fornication-related deaths and homosexuality-related deaths, and the majority of people dying in our nation today can trace what killed them directly back to disobeying God. That's interesting to me. See, just by doing math, we can tell people that a life lived for God is the best life you can live without even getting into the spiritual. A life lived in obedience to the Word of God will keep you alive longer. It's just fact of the matter. Um, we have we have many different uh, many different passages. We'll, we'll go to a couple passages in a moment when we get to the topic of destruction. Um, but the majority of people in our nation dying today they can they can trace what killed them directly back to some form of defiling their bodies. They may live to be sixty, seventy, maybe even eighty, but the thing that takes them out so often today isn't just plain old age and things stopping working. It's maybe a little bit of that combined with the fact that every artery in their body is plugged because they had burgers for, you know, 50 years for every meal. That's, that's going to play a factor. Um, and so <clears throat> God says not to damage ourselves, not to defile ourselves to the best of our ability. So it's a fact that living biblically, is not just spiritually, but also physically the best thing for you. Now, a little note I'll throw in here. Christians are the temple of God, not all people. Um, we're not, don't believe the country songs. We're not all God's children. We're, we're all God's creation, sure, but we're not all God's children. If you're not saved, you're not a child of God, or you're a child of the devil. The Bible's very clear about that. And so when we talk about the temple of God and, and all that, that's, that's a saved person. Um, sinful living for the lust of the flesh kills Christians and the lost alike. God's Word commands the Christian to treat themselves better than the drunkard does and then the addict does and then the glutton does because he desires what's best for his children. Just like the father who would tell his child, no, you can't have candy for breakfast and lunch and dinner because he cares about them. He doesn't want to just see them happy. He wants to see them healthy. And God essentially the same thing with our bodies, our physical bodies. He says, you need to take care of that thing because it's my temple. It's my dwelling place and I want you to take care of it. And so often we spiritualize it, which 
not a problem with that. But we leave behind the fact that it's it's a physical thing too. This body is a physical thing. Now, <coughs> sorry, and I can't quite get rid of that. Uh, other things that defile a man, you can look at Matthew 15. We won't for time's sake tonight, but the words uh, the, th- the words that come out of a heart of a man defile a man. If you ever want to not wash your hands before you eat, you can go to that passage as well. Sure. Um, thank you. Uh, you can go to that passage as well because Christ specifically says it's not you know not that that defiles a man, but but the the words that come from his mouth, from his heart, that defiles a man. Um, essentially, you could say that all sin defiles a man because sin is is filthy. The Bible talks about us being washed and made white as snow and washed from our sin, and 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 so any sin would defile as well. Now we go back to our passage in First Corinthians chapter three. And and we find it's a there's I'm surprised at how often I see things in the Bible and you know you've read them a hundred times you've read them two hundred times and and it just pops out at you as wow that's I, I knew that was there but it's hitting a little different this time and it, and it's more intense than than people seem to react to or understand if you look in our passage First Corinthians chapter three and verse number seventeen the Bible says if any man defile the temple of God. Now, we just talked about a bunch of examples of what that is, of how we defile our temple. What's God going to do? Him shall God destroy. That's that's pretty big. That's pretty intense. It's not him shall God be displeased with. It's him shall God destroy. Now, it doesn't say he's going to destroy his soul or or cast him in hell or anything like that, but, but him shall God destroy. Destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That's a pretty big warning that we are given in the Bible that God wants us to take care of ourselves. And he said, if we don't do it, he's going to destroy us. And and you say, well, I, you know, I don't see a whole bunch of people, thank you, sir, getting struck by lightning from God or anything like that because they ate too many Krispy Kremes. And that's true. You, you don't, but you probably do see them going down in the grave 10 years early because they ate too many Krispy Kremes. We reap what we sow. So, destruction. Uh, Galatians chapter number 6, verses 7 and 8 read, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap, uh, shall of their flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You cannot sit down for the meal and ask God to bless your little Debbie and make it nutritious. Lord, uh, I love this double stack fudge round and thank you so much for this wonderful meal and bless this to my body (laughs) like eating rat poison and saying bless this to my body lord (laughs) i mean he works miracles but i don't think he's he's making that thing nutritious you eat too many little debbies you're going to turn into big deborah and uh, it's going to be it's going to be rough And so, but but we're guilty of that, right? I've done the same thing. I will load, we'll have a meal here and I will load my plate up and I'll have to get a second plate and I'll sit down and look at this and say, whoa, praise God. And then it's, you know, Lord bless this food to my body. And you know, good and well, that food ain't no nothing good for your body. It's just, it just makes you feel good. And uh, I'm not saying that's, I'm not going to preach too hard on that because please keep bringing all the food you guys bring. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, it's, Self-control, right? How much portion and all that stuff. Yeah. So the Bible gives us a lot of examples of things that we can do in our life that will shorten our life. Um, Even as Christians. Yeah, forgiveness. Yeah, all that stuff. But 
But there's just a fact of the matter. We reap what we sow. And that, that's not just spiritual. It's also physical. We've talked about this before. Romans one twenty seven talks about the homosexual receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And, and we had a whole study one time on, on what that means and what, how we see that in our culture today. Homosexual males have a lifespan of 43 years. That's their, that's their lifespan. That's the average. Heterosexual, 80. You live a half-life because of sin. And the Bible directly warns in Romans chapter 1, verse 27, that you're going to receive in yourself the recompense of reward uh, for your error. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So what's the implication of if you don't honor your father and mother? It's that you won't live long on the earth. Plenty of jokes to be made about that, but I'm not going to tonight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 27 to 30, we're going to look at communion, the Lord's Supper. The Bible specifically says that there are people who have died among the people in, Corinth, in the church in Corinth because they ate and drank unworthily. Say, does God do that? He just said He did. I mean, it's, it's there in the Bible. It's not something we like to think about. Because we like forgiveness, we like grace, we like mercy. And yes, those are all still there and those are all still applicable. But there are things in our Bible that God warns us, if you do these things, you're not going to live as long. And if you do these things, you're going to have a longer and happier life. Now all of this, of course, you could get hit by a truck. You could, you know, you could, anything could happen to you. We don't know that we have tomorrow. But we're supposed to treat these temples of the Holy Ghost, which our body is, as though it's going to last for a hundred years and we want it to be nice. And we want it to be a dwelling place that is good. Now that's, of course, the, the main thing is spiritual, but uh, in our context, it's, it's also physical. Um, so God, God made you. God, if you're saved, dwells within you. He tells you not to defile your body because it's whole, it is holy in His dwelling place. So on that same line, why would you graffiti God's house? That's a really unpopular one nowadays. I remember in high school, somebody came to me and said, hey, should I get a Christian tattoo? And in high school, I knew better, and I said, there's no such thing. And they said, what do you mean? I was going to get a cross and a verse. And I said, the content may be Christian, but the tattoo isn't. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. The Bible says, Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. I like how that's the way the verse ends. It's like, I'm going to tell you this, and just a reminder, I'm the Lord. We need that pretty often. We hear something from God's Word, and it's like, yeah, but, and He says, no, no, I'm God, not you. There, there are so many times in the last you know, couple of years as a, as a young parent and raising these young kids where it's just the whole conversation stops because I just say, who's in charge? And, and, and you are. And it's, the Lord does the same thing in His Word over and over again. He gives us a command. He says, I'm the Lord. In, in a verse we read earlier, 1 Corinthians 6.19, He starts the verse with what? <laughs> what? Know ye not that, you're, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? When, when He talks in 1 Corinthians 14 about, about women speaking in church, He says, what? <laughs> and He's just constantly reminding people that, hey, you're not God, I am the Lord, not me. And so, the Bible says not to print any marks upon you. God's against tattoos. If you got one, you got one. 
well, not much you can do about that. Don't go get another one. And God's against excessive drawing of attention to yourself and body modifications. This could be shrapnel all over your face and tongue and belly button and who knows where else. It could be, um, you know, it could be 50 different colors in your hair. I don't know. I mean, you can do stuff for fun. That's not, I'm not trying to say you can't do anything, but you really think a lot of these people that, that look the way they look are doing it just because, well, that's just who they are. No, they're doing it for attention. And that's a problem. We are not supposed to, if you're Christians, you're not supposed to be trying to draw attention to yourself and your looks. You're supposed to be trying to draw attention to God and to be godly and holy and humble. And I don't know how some people can, can see it other, other ways. Now, um, anything we do to our bodies to fulfill the flesh, the lust of the flesh is not good. Anything we do to our bodies for the purpose of drawing attention to ourselves is not good. We need to treat our bodies as God's property and therefore treat it well. Everybody okay? We're good? All right. So we've seen the warning against defilement. We've seen the promise of destruction if we do defile ourselves. And then lastly, we get to end on a high note. The blessing of the dweller. Why does God care so much about our bodies? What, you know, why... why about what we do with these bodies of flesh. I mean, they're just going to get burned up anyways. They're just going to turn to dust anyways. Why does he care? Well, as it's already been stated, they belong to him. And they're the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost of God. Colossians 1.27 says, "In whom, or To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. We, are, we can look at many other passages, but we, we know the truth of the Word of God. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are told, don't grieve the Holy Spirit while He's dwelling within you. Um, it, we, we talk about and we say things like, you know, God showed up today, and I totally understand what we mean by that. I'm not saying it's wrong, but, but in all honesty, He's here. He's in you and he's in me. And where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. So he, he's here five times over. But why? So why doesn't he show up and show out the way that we always, you know, say that we want him to? I think because a lot of times he's so grieved by what we're putting him through, we don't let him. We don't let him have control of us. We, he starts to prick our hearts about something and we say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. We, he starts to nudge us and sing a little louder. We say, no, 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 the person might hear me. Oh, no. <laughs> so if all sin, including the sin that directly affects our physical bodies, is something that defiles us, then the question is, what are the current living conditions for the Holy Spirit in the temple that is your body? I mean, is your temple falling apart? Because you can't control your appetite for fornication or for alcohol or for filthy language or for food. Maybe your physical health is great. Maybe your doctor is a marvel every time you walk in the door and says, I can't believe how healthy you are. It's, it's like your body is a temple. And you say, it is. Thank you. Maybe that's you. What about spiritual? Is your, is your temple... Um, is your temple uh, filled with sin, or is it just plain filthy to God? Um, teaching things like this to teenagers, you know, you, 
used to be, not so much anymore, but you'd say, you know, what if your if your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and then you know, think of your bedroom, what posters are on the wall, you know, what what stuff adorns the room, what does it look like, what kind of thing is he living in? We had a whole skit one time at a youth rally and it was uh, it was it was good. It was about it was probably it's probably better than the sermon. It was it was really good. They had a skit of of this this young kid and 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 he was praying and he asked you know God he wanted God to be real to him and he wanted you know wanted God to be real in his life and and then all of a sudden poof you know our song leader brother Dowdy appeared and he was supposed to be you know the Lord Jesus Christ and and so the kid was oh wow you're here you know I I didn't expect that this this is great. And then it was, you know, oh, well, let me hide this, let me put this away, and let me, you know, put this away, and and it was, and it it built up to he was he wanted to go and he wanted to go and do something that he didn't want the Lord to be there for, and so he pushed him against the wall and said, "You stay right here," and of course put it up cross shaped, you know, thing, and oh, and it was great. It was just a reminder that man, what are we putting the Lord through by Him being in us? Is it a place that He likes to dwell? The things that we hear throughout the day that we have control over, do they please Him? The things we see, the actions we take, the way we treat our our bodies, the way we treat our bodies physically and spiritually, what is the condition of the temple of God if the temple of God is you? That's the question for today. It's a blessing to know, 1 John 1.7 says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The question, I guess, is, if He cleanses us from all sin, how clean are we keeping the place? Does He have to come back in and clean it every hour? We, we clean the church. We try to clean the church once a week, for the most part. And, and usually that keeps it pretty, pretty good. But if if our body is the temple of God and every sin dirties it up, how often how often do we need the Lord to clean it up? Is He just our permanent maid cleaning up our sin? Or can we go a little bit a little bit longer keeping our temple clean for God? Now I know the spiritual application is more important than the physical, I understand that, but but the physical is a command from God. And he said, If you defile that temple, I'll destroy you. So it matters to God. And so I would encourage you. Make sure that you are treating your body in a way that shows God that you understand it's His and not your own. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Word. Help us to take what we've learned tonight from it. Help us to be a blessing to others. Help us to be able to teach others. And help us to apply it in our own lives as well, Lord. Both the spiritual application and the physical application, Lord. So many people are destroying themselves. And Lord, You said that You'd destroy the people that defile themselves so often the way you do it is by just letting them continue down the road that they're on and lord we pray please help there's people lord that we know that are are harming themselves with alcohol harming themselves with drugs harming themselves with fornication lord we know many people in many of these situations and lord many of us have been guilty of some to some degree or another of of harming ourselves and not not controlling our flesh in the way that we should lord i pray please help us to see the seriousness of it as you do lord to consider that we are your temple and uh, that we want to be a temple that is holy unto you. And Lord, of course, the spiritual application as well. Lord, help us to be as free from sin as we can. Lord, help us to uh, to make sure that we keep ourselves clean and holy and just, just like you would have us. Lord, we love you in Jesus and we pray. 
Amen. Brother Ken. Page 